Uh, let me also encourage you to become a part of our January challenge, which is we're, we're challenging all of us to spend the month of January reading through the story of Joseph. It starts in chapter 37 of Genesis, and then you skip to 39 through 45. You can actually end uh, at the end of chapter 45. And I'm asking you and challenging you to read it with a journal. Uh, and just write down, just take a few moments and write down your insights, your questions. You'll be surprised at how God will begin to, uh, to engage you through that process. All right, amen? Uh, would you please stand and honor the reading of God's Word? We're going to, right here at chapter 37, beginning at verse 5, New Living Translation. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the fields tying up bundles of grain. And suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Say it, and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers all about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but the father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, he asked. Will your mother, who's, who was deceased at the time, and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Shall amen? amen. Please be seated. God worked miracles, would you today? both in this space and in the lives of those that might be listening by video in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week I told you that uh, if you are reading the story of Joseph, the very first insight that just jumps off the page as you read the story of Joseph is really a kind of a fresh way of understanding who God is and how God interacts with us. And that is that God is a dream giver. Everybody shout dream giver. Dream giver. And uh, when we think about the fact that uh, God is a dream giver, uh, it, it gives us some insight to the passage that we're, we reflected on last week and we'll keep returning to. And that is Genesis chapter 41, 52, where Joseph is at the end uh, of the story. He's uh, come full circle in success. And he names one of his sons Ephraim, which by translation means God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief. And I just find that to be fascinating because really there are two levels of insight there. One, uh, I, I believe that what God is saying to, to many of us uh, as we start the year 2017 is, is that he wants to make you fruitful in this year. Shout fruitful. 
And there is also an acknowledgement that there are many starting 2017 in the midst of grief, either because of some loss you endured in 2016 or maybe just in the last couple of weeks. And the same God says to you, uh, who's in the midst of grief, look, I also want to make you fruitful even in the land of your grief. Man, that's really good news, isn't it? That's just amazing. And so when we think about Joseph, we're quite encouraged because one of the ways in which God makes us fruitful is that he gives us a God-sized dream. And as we pursue that dream, we begin to become more fruitful in our lives. Now, Joseph comes out of a horrendously dysfunctional family. If you know anything about the biblical context for Joseph's family, you'll recall that his father, Jacob, was the favorite of his mother, Rebecca, and his brother Esau was the favorite of, his, of, of Jacob's father, whose name was Isaac. And this favoritism that the parents played with their kids drove a wedge between these two brothers, and it became extraordinarily destructive. Now, the next generation has come on the scene, and we find that Jacob is driving the same highly dysfunctional pattern into the lives of his boys by favoring Joseph way more than he cares for the rest of his boys. And so the text tells us that Joseph's brothers literally hate him because he is loved by their father, who they feel like doesn't love them. So Joseph is pretty dysfunctional because you would think that in that context, he would be more thoughtful about what dreams he might share with his brothers. Knowing that they are jealous, knowing that they feel like he thinks he's, you know, a bag of chip and all of that, you would think that he'd be more thoughtful, but oh no, what does Joseph do? He said, hey guys, I know y'all been a little anxious, but I just thought I'd share a dream with y'all. And he goes on to share with them, you know, essentially how they're going to bow down to him, which makes them hate them, hate him more. Everybody shout dysfunction. Now, here is the fresh insight that comes out of that passage, what I just particularly love. The insight is this. God gives God-sized dreams even to highly dysfunctional people. So turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, he's not talking about you, he's talking about me. Tell him. <laughs> I mean, so many of us come out of dysfunctional families, and the truth be told, when we really look at our lives from our eating or drinking or whatever the case might be, you know, we're really honest and say, you know, we're pretty highly dysfunctional. And we have concluded for one reason or the other that that disqualifies us from receiving a God-sized dream. But the story of Joseph says, no, it's the opposite. God has a God-sized dream even for highly dysfunctional people. That's good news. Now, last week I told you uh, that about the story about Jason. You recall Jason, and I want to return to that story. Uh, by the way, on my Facebook page and on the church's Facebook page, NBCCBarrier.com, you'll find uh, the full story of Jason from Columbia. 
uh, along with some amazing videos. So I encourage you to go uh, after the worship gathering, check it out. But you remember Jason was born in Colombia, which is one of the poorest countries on the planet. And he was born in one of the poorest communities in Colombia, Cali. And he, he, uh, he arrived uh, victimized by cerebral palsy, and with severe motor challenges in terms of his limbs and uh, his ability to get around and so forth and so on. And when he got uh, to the first doctor visits, uh, the doctor essentially says, he'll be good for nothing. What the doctor simply meant by that was that, you know, he'll never be able to take care of himself. He'll always be a taker. You know, he'll have to, he'll, he'll be on the receiving end. He's got to receive care. He's going to have to receive resources. Uh, he's going to have to be taken care of. He's just, he's just going to be a taker. Never Good for nothing is what the doctor was saying. He's just going to be a taker. I, I lift this up. So he's cerebral palsy in the, one of the poorest countries on the planet, in one of the worst communities. And yet, Jason ends up with a dream that literally changes the lives of thousands of people. He tells the story that his mother refused to take the, the advice of the doctor. His mother and his, his uh, other family, uh, they fought to get him into physical therapy. They fought to get him into various surgeries. He had to go through several surgeries. They had to raise the money. He watched them just work their fingers to the bone trying to get the money so that he'd go from surgery to surgery. But later he grew and became, they entered a, a, the regular classroom uh, in Columbia. And as time would pass, he would end up being president of his class proving to the students around him that his cerebral palsy did not eliminate the talents and the gifts that he had and ultimately he would grow up and raise up a foundation and talk about being a taker oh no he would raise up a foundation that would give free medical care to the disabled that would give free food to folk who were starving among the disabled community that would provide free education to those who needed to uh, have their skills and their knowledge upgraded and it would all start in his parents garage and it all started because God dropped a God-sized dream in his heart Celebrate that. That's just good news. All right. And here's what's so excited about it, right? That if we watch Joseph and we can see that you can be highly dysfunctional and still get a God-sized dream. And, and if we look at Jason and see that, that you can have cerebral palsy, a major disability, a major impairment in a poor country, in one of the poorest communities, not in America, not in, we're highly resourced, but in that area. And still God can give you a God-sized dream that will allow you to change the world for a whole lot of people. Well, what does that say about you? In whatever stage, whatever age, whatever season, you're in. It says that God has a God-sized dream for everyone. He calls us to pursue it. Now, there are some things that, keeps, that keep us trapped in what I call uh, traps of misconception. That causes us to be inactive. Here's the deal. 
It doesn't matter how big the dream is that you have. If you don't do anything about it, it remains a dream. Uh, and there are several misconceptions that keeps us trapped. Here's one. One is the person who says, I don't have a dream. So there's nothing for me to act on. I just don't have a dream. And I'm mindful at this point that many people who are going through various levels of grief, either the loss of a relationship or the death of someone uh, who was close to them, the loss of a job, or maybe they're in retirement or they're going through empty nesting, or maybe it's a grief that you, you've had for years that you've never been able to shake. As someone told me today that they lost a child years ago. They haven't been able to shake. And one of the things about grief is that it often causes a, 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 what I want to call a blackout in our lives. In Boston, when it had a big snowstorm, the electricity would go out for blocks and we'd call it a blackout. And that's how it is for a lot of people struggling with grief. That the... The, the capacity to believe for a dream, uh, the capacity to feel like you've got a reason to keep living and keep striving, it just gets lost in the blackout. Now, let me illustrate what I mean by that. Uh, my wife, uh, uh, I get up early in the mornings, and my wife and I have this deal because she's a light sleeper. I have to figure out how to get up and get out without waking her up. Because if I wake her up, she's not able to go back to sleep, which means she's going to have a bad day. And if she has a bad day, that means I'm going to have a bad day. All right. So I got this little deal where usually the night before I put all my little stuff together. Because in the morning when I get up, I can't turn on the lights. I got to function inside of a blackout. And I, but I basically kind of know where I put things. But every now and then, every now and then, I'm looking for my keys. And I know I put them somewhere. I put, put them over there. And I'm feeling for them. I'm feeling for them. I can't find my keys. Look, as a matter of fact, by the way, that's why, because I have to do this in the, in, the, in, the, in the dark, that's why sometimes I might come with mismatched shoes on because I'm just trying to figure them out in the dark. Anyway, so I'm feeling for my keys, right? <laughs> and every now and then, you know, I'm looking, 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 and finally, I find my keys to get out. Now, here's the point about the story. Just because I don't see the keys in the blackout doesn't mean the keys are not there. I just have to keep feeling for them until I find it. And so just because if you're in the middle of grief and you've had a blackout and you've concluded I don't have a dream, here's the word for you. Just because you don't see the dream doesn't mean the dream is not there. We know that God is a dream giver and he has placed a dream in you. You just have to start feeling for it. Feeling for it. And secondly, the second inaction trap was a misconception is you hear someone say I have an insignificant dream it's, it's a dream but it's insignificant it's not like Joseph's dream where the world gets saved from starvation and, and it's not even like Jason who's able to elevate and transform uh, the perception in the lives of folk who are dealing with disabilities both in Colombia and now across the world because of CNN uh, he's their 2016 uh, CNN hero so you say my dream you're thinking right yourself Oh, it's an insignificant dream. Well, here's a little insight for you. 
God does not give out insignificant dreams. If God has given you a dream, it's not insignificant. As a matter of fact, every, 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 uh, 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 most dreams that God give out, most big dreams, they are usually connected to big needs in the world that God is trying to redeem. And he's inviting you to be a part. Whatever age, whatever stage, whatever season, be a part of that work. Third misconception that often traps us is the notion, I have a dream, but God's going to do it. You've heard people say that. Oh, yeah, God's given me a dream, but you know, if it is of God, he'll take care of you. You're just going to sit right here on the stool and just going to wait for God to do it. Somebody shout, no! It doesn't work like that. All right, let's go back to Jason's story, right? Jason and God is in Colombia, and they're, they're transforming the world. Now, watch this. If you take God out of the formula with Jason, what has taken place in Colombia wouldn't happen. That's one of the ways you know what a God-sized dream is, because it, it's something that will not happen unless God is actively involved. Watch this, though. But if you leave God in the formula and take Jason out, the dream still wouldn't happen. Because God is waiting on, whenever God gives a God-sized dream, he's waiting on your participation. And if Jason had not done it, God would have had to wait another 10 years or 20 years or whatever until somebody who's struggling with this would have enough tenacity and enough faith to rise up and say, God, I'll partner with you. To make a difference. So... The person who's sitting here saying, I'm waiting on God. I just got a little email for you. God's waiting on you. Last uh, misconception is, people say, uh, I had a dream. But it's too late. I'll tell you a story. True story. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote a great preacher and lecturer and teacher. And he wrote uh, Jabez Prayer, for example, his famous book. He's wrote a number of other books. He said he was out to lunch with a friend of his, and they were debating this question about, does God have a God-sized dream for everyone? He was making the argument God did. His friend was saying, no, that's just not the case. So Bruce decided to prove it in the restaurant. As the waitress came to the table, he said, excuse me, what's your name? She said, Sonia. He said, Sonia, can I just talk to you for a moment? He said, sure. He said, Sonia, are, are you living what you would call your best life at this moment? She kind of looked at him a little strange and like, I'm not sure what you mean by that question. He said, well, this is what I mean. He says, um, if you're doing your dream now in this capacity, terrific. I think that's fabulous. But I'm just wondering whether or not you have a big dream somewhere tucked down inside that you wish would come true, but it hasn't. She paused and thought a moment, and she started telling him a little story. She said, well, you know, my mother's a nurse, and my sister's a nurse, and I wanted to be a nurse, but I couldn't. You could see she was still carrying that unfulfilled dream with her, and, 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 and so Bruce said, well, well why not? And, and she said, well, you know, I was in school, and then I got married, and I had two kids, I had to 
quit school, I had to invest in raising the kids. And even now, if I decide to try to go back to school, I don't, we don't have the money to be able to, to pay for uh, child care. So Ruth said, do you think you would be a good nurse? You could see the tears rattle up in her eyes. She said, yes, I do. And Ruth said, do you think God wants you to be a nurse? She paused a moment thought. She said, yeah, I think God does. So Bruce says, well, then if God wants you to be a nurse, there has to be a way for you to be a nurse. So he says, kind of just think with me for a moment, right? He said, uh, he said I'm going to go out on a limb here. But I believe that there is somebody in your life who loves you enough that if they knew babysitting your kids would help you to become a nurse, they would do it for free. Then he said, who is that person? She didn't think a split second. You could see her eyes flash. She said, oh my gosh. She says, my mother. You remember her mother who was a nurse? And she says, well, Two months ago, my mother retired. And my mother loves her grandkids. Not all grandparents love their grandkids. But in this particular case, my mother loves her grandkids. And she would be delighted to keep them, especially if she knew that I would be able to go to school. And she got so excited. And, and she, she left that table where she's supposed to be serving and ran a couple of tables over where some friends of her were sitting. She slid in. She says, I'm going back to school. I'm going to be a nurse. Come on, let's give God a head praise. That's how, that's, those are the kinds of dreams we're carrying inside of us. And you just got to stop a moment. So our dream as we examine them, they reveal a lot about our theology. They reveal a lot about what we think about God. Our dreams, as we examine them, they reveal a lot about our psychology, They're about how we think about ourselves and how we think about the world. So everybody shout examination. All right, so let's look close and see what, what we learn as we look at, jo at uh, Joseph's dream and, and what it might teach us. So here's a couple of quick points immediately. First thing, Listen to this. Our perception, shout perception. Our perception of our dreams, how we, how we perceive our dreams, the perception is revealing. And secondly, as we examine the perception that we have about what dreams we occupy, we'll discover that oftentimes, our pain and our dysfunction uh, has a way of leading to at least three possibilities. The first is our pain and dysfunction has a way of leading to what I want to call ambitions that end in uh, half-perceived dreams. In other words, you see a piece of the dream. And through your lens, you think you got the whole dream. But it's just a piece of the dream. And even the piece of the dream you have is colored 
by your own posture, your own pain, your own situation in life. All right, let's go to, let's prove it from Joseph's story. I said, Joseph, hey, check out my first dream. He said, look, we're out in the field. We're all tying up our bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stands straight up. All y'all bundles gather around my bundles and bow. He, he could have just said, and they bowed down. No, no, he said, bow low. <laughs> when you examine that dream, you say, well, what is this telling me about Joseph? Well, it's telling you about Joseph that, that, that based on his dysfunction growing up as a spoiled, highly favored kid in his father's house based on his dysfunction in terms of the broken relationship that he has with his brothers based on that he he when he sees that dream he's thinking I want power and I want influence all right let's prove it look at the other dream next dream gets even more pretty remarkable how he how he sees it and the verse says they don't like Joseph just because not just because of his dream but because how he talks about his dreams how he talks about the dream. Right? And so he says, oh, hey, hey, guys, I had another dream. If you thought the other one was the bomb, wait for this one. <laughs> he said, in this dream, the moon, the sun, uh, the moon that's dead, the sun that's deceased mom, and 11 stars. That's all y'all brothers. <laughs> Watch this. He could have just said bow, but he, 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 he repeated, bow low before me. And now, now here's the question. This, this, this jumped out at me as the text. In the first dream, I kind of know where Joseph is. He's the first bundle of grain, right? But in the second dream, he talks about the moon, the sun, the star. Well, where's Joseph? Joseph is the cosmos. He occupies the cosmos and everything else is bowing in front of him. And so, and so you see, you see, we're going backwards and thinking about, well, what does the dream tell us about Joseph? It tells us a lot about how he sees his situation and he wants power and he wants influence. All right. Now, the question is not bad to want power and influence. The question is, what do you want to do with it? And it's ambition if what you want to do with it stops with you. And, and, but the ambition can also be a part of a larger dream that God has given you, but, but it's colored by your experience. What are you going to do with the power, Joseph? I'm going to make them bow. What are you going to do with the influence, Joseph? Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to be their king. And then what? You're just talking about 11 boys. Hmm. We, we, we see this in our dreams all the time, right? For example, I know there's some folk in here looking for some spouses. Some other single folk who could care less about finding a spouse. You're having a good time. Uh, but among us, there's some folk who would like to have a spouse. And so among them, there's probably at least one woman who's either listening by video or here thinking, oh, yeah, I want, I'm looking for my, praying hard for my spouse. So what kind of spouse are you praying for? And if you would be honest, you'd say this, a hunk. <laughs> and we check out all of the dates that you turn down and the dates that you take, it lines up. You're only looking for a hunk. All right, I got a wife in here who got a hunk. <laughs> She's been married to him for six years. And what she has to say to you, looking for a hunk, baby, be careful because you don't know, you'll get a hunk of what? <laughs> <laughs> 
look, I got a hunk of something. And I'll trade my hunk for a helpmate any day. <laughs> All right. But if you're looking for a hunk, it says more about you than it does who you're looking for. All right, let's reverse it. Same with the, same with the guys. Same with the guys. Say, I don't want to get mad. Yeah, I'm looking. I haven't been married. Some guy's like 45. I haven't been married yet. I'm just looking. I'm fine. Well, what's the criteria? Number one, see, got to be fine. <laughs> got to be fine. Got to be fine. I don't date nobody not fine. <laughs> but I know I got some husbands sitting around here, y'all, uh, listening on the video, say, 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 I, no, I got fine. <laughs> but <laughs> a few years later, I'm here to tell you that fine is not always a good fine. <laughs> and, and what they would say, baby, you ought to be looking, brother, you ought to be looking for faithful, forget fine. Because fine will mess you up. <laughs> Have you singing with Adele? Hello. <laughs> Woo, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, so well, my point is this. Because I do have a point. My point is this. <laughs> uh, the brother who's looking just for fun uh, at the top of the list, it says more about who you are. It says more about your psychology. It says more about what you think is missing in your life. Then it does her. It says, you know, you, wanna, you want somebody fine. So that when you walk in the door, they look at her and they think about you. They go like, man, he got it going on. Because <laughs> she's fine. Honey, it's about your psychology. What does your dream reveal about you? Well, I got some folk, I know it, here and listening, who say, oh, I got past that years ago. I'm looking for looks cheap stuff. I'm looking for credentials. <laughs> Come on, men and women. Why well, well, say, no, 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 no. When I'm married, listen, number one, I want to know the size of the check. Six figure, anything less than, not dating you. <laughs> number two, you got to be a VP or something. Apple, come on, Google, the filling station, something. <laughs> you got to be up, going up. I want, I, I want ambition. Come on, I got, you got to have a couple of degrees. Don't come talking to me, talking about you work at Burger King, baby. I can't have it my way at Burger King. <laughs> Why? Why can't, you, why can't you find a nice guy or girl from Burger King? Be careful. Because I got some folk who married that. And what they're here to tell you is that the person that they married is so ambitious and so engaged in their career that they have absolutely no capacity to be involved in the relationship. They got what they want and they're still lonely. But the dream reveals more about your psychology. 
you're looking for. I'll finish it here. My nephew, uh, we had my nephews over for Christmas. <clears throat> and Rhonda took them all out for an exercise routine. And my oldest one took his ball, basketball. And I said, why do you want to take it? Well, he said, he's going to go work out. What for? Because he's getting ready to, for the Warriors. So he's going to join the Warriors. He's 12 years old. But he's he going to be so good, they, gonna, they got a seat for him. They got a place. I said, okay, all right, all right. So when Rhonda got home, I said, uh, how long did he uh, practice with his ball? She said, oh, about 20 minutes. <laughs> All right, now, let me just really make this point here because this, this is very important. Yes, God will give you a God-sized dream, but a God-sized dream always requires huge sacrifice. You can't get there in 20-minute intervals. You've got to be willing to give up something. So, but if he was here, though, I would say, well, why do you want to be on the Warriors? He, he would probably say, because I want to make a lot of money. I said, well, and, and, and do what with it? It'd probably circle back to him. Oh, I'd say, uh, he might say, I, I want to hear my name sound off when I hit the three. I want, to do, I want Oracle exploding saying my name. Why? Why? And some kids, maybe not here, but some kids, if they were here, they would say, because at home, I'm invisible. I'm just trying to figure out how to be noticed. See, the dream. It can be very much a God-given dream, but you only seeing a portion of it. And it's colored by everyone. It says a lot about where you are. Here's my last point. <clears throat> some of y'all. Oh, oh so, I, so if he was right, I'd tell him, you got to follow the warriors off the court. You, you follow uh, Steph Curry. And, and a few weeks ago during Christmas, he rented out, a, he took a whole church, filled it up with food and packages and fed hungry people. That's what he wants to do with his money. Follow Draymond Green. And may, maybe he didn't get there this way, but now his, he, he's been transformed. And this is what he's thinking. You say, what do you want to do with your money? Well, well, at the Christmas holidays, he being raised by a single parent, uh, ultimately uh, got with an organization, gathered a lot of single parents and their kids, and he resourced them. That's what, I want. That's what he wants to do with his money. It's not just for him. So here's a little challenge. Some of y'all are making more money you've ever made in your life. And you're just dreaming about how you can spend it more on you. Perhaps it might be time to get captured by a God-sized dream that says maybe this is a point for you to start thinking about somebody else. You see, a God-sized dream always starts with you, but it never ends with you. It always moves towards somebody else. It may start with your pain, but it never ends with your pain. It may start with your trauma, but it never ends with your trauma. It moves you like Jason to be concerned about other folk traumas. That was Jason's situation. He said he walked in the house one day into visiting a family, and there was an eight-year-old boy. Because he didn't have a wheelchair, he had been confined to the bed all of his eight years. Jason stopped thinking about his stuff and went out and found a wheelchair. 
revolutionized that young man's life, made him mobile because he could get in a wheelchair and that launched a program of mobilizing wheelchairs. And then he went to his parents and he said to his parents, if I can have the garage, we can start doing physical therapy with these kids who don't have an opportunity to do physical therapy. And, he, and the parents said, fine. He found a, a young woman just graduated physical therapy degree. He said, would you help me? She said, yes. And they started off with 20, but, but folk just kept coming, just kept coming, just kept coming. And so they took over the house and they just kept coming, just kept coming. And finally, they, now they have a facility where they're not only providing physical therapy, but they're feeding, they're providing medical care, uh, they're educated by the thousands. It started with his pain, but it ended with other folk pain. That's how God's history moves you. All right, so uh, let's conclude here. Everybody shout ambitions. You see a portion of the dream. Step back and see the Lord's peace. Here's the second point. I like this about David, uh, uh, Joseph. Here's one. Sometimes our dysfunctions and pain will create an excuse that will derail the grace of God from functioning in our lives. Everybody say excuse. All right. Check it out. Joseph went through some trauma. He went from being a wealthy kid in a wealthy house. His dad was wealthy. The prince of that family, owning everything, to being sold into slavery, owning nothing. And he ended up in Potiphar's house as a slave. And he felt the injustice. We know that because in chapter 40, verse 14 and 15, in verse 14, he says to the uh, guys that he's about to interpret their dreams, he says to the cup bearer who's going to go back to Pharaoh. He says, look, when you get back there, remember me, have faith with me, tell him about me so he can get me out of here. Because verse 15, he, he lays it out. He says, because I was kidnapped from my homeland, which is the land of the Hebrews, and I'm here in the prison, and I don't deserve to be here. I did nothing to deserve it. Come on, everybody say, I did nothing to deserve it. Say it. He's articulating the injustice. Come on, say this. Stuff happened. Say it. <laughs> stuff happened, guys. Horrible things happen. Tragedy stuff happens. The life is broke. Man, 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 life messes up us over. Stuff happened. Stuff happened to him. But, but he did not, uh, he had this sense of injustice, but he did not allow the sense of injustice to become an excuse for him not being the best he could be for God. Oh, no, because you saw him in part of a house. He didn't just get upset and become a, 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 an ineffective worker, ineffective worker. Oh, no. The text suggests that he poured himself into the responsibility. And as he poured himself into the responsibility, God's grace happened. And God blessed it. And he rose to the top. And then stuff happened. He ends up in prison. Come on, the woman tries to get him to sleep with her. Now, some of y'all would have been thinking, look, life's been bad to me. I don't know why I got to try to be faithful to God. Look where God put me. Come on, let's sleep. But he said, no, baby. God's been too good to me. Even though I'm in slavery, he's blessed me. I can't do that. So here's my point. Let your trauma be an explanation for why you are where you are, but never let it be an excuse for why you can't go with where God's called you to go. Shout dream. dream. 
himself into the circumstances. Here's the point. God, yes, stuff happens. And it's, in, un, it's not just, and it hurts people die who should be alive. Stuff happens. We get disease when we should be healthy. Stuff happens. Marriages that you've poured yourself into break apart. Kids that you've given all to go astray. Stuff happens. And it's traumatic. But God's grace is always at work, even in the midst of the dark tragedy. And at the end of the day, if you just be the best you can be, God's grace, not the tragedy, will have the last word. And that's what you see in Joseph's life. And so, what could have been an excuse became an opportunity for God to display his power through the faithful life of Joseph. So, here's where I end. Here's where I end. So, as you try to calibrate so that God can make you fruitful, even in a land of grief, two things you ought to pay attention to. One, the prayers you pray and what you pursue. Here's what I learned from Joseph, last point. When he was 17 years old interpreting that dream, those dreams, never once did he inquire of God. God, what does these dreams mean? Like most of us when we were 17, he figured he knew. He will. But when you find him at the age of 28, 29, and 30, towards the end, where he's now ready to be used by God in this big way, he has a totally different perspective. In verse 40, chapter, in verse, chapter 40, verse 8, when the cupbearer and them said, can you interpret our dreams? His response is this. Interpreting dreams is God's business interpretation tell me what you want to tell me I'll check in with God and if God reveals it I'll let you know next chapter turn over chapter verse 16 when Pharaoh says I've heard you're a good dream interpreter his response is that's beyond my power but God will tell you what the dream means to put you at ease translation you tell me the dream I'll check in with God he'll show me and I'll tell you so some of y'all carrying some dreams from years back. Some of you are discovering some dreams right now as you feel your way through the dark. The first thing I want to suggest is, is don't just rely on your analytical ability. Go to the dream giver and ask the dream giver, God, what does this mean, particularly in my season? Oh, where is the dream? So everybody shout, ask God. All right, but it's not just ask God, because I know some folk who are in the corner, they're asking God, they're asking God. But, 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 but this thing works. Uh, the next thing you got to do is you got to ask people. And you notice in Joseph's story, there are the, the several folk that are coming to him. There's a dialogue between people around the question, what does this dream mean? And so go find somebody in your life who's living out their dreams. Three people, I would argue, who, who are successfully living out their dreams, but they also know you. And then ask them, why do you think I'm on the planet? Based on what you know about me. 
Help me. Or here's my dream. Help me to understand it. And lastly, ask yourself, if you got a million dollars tomorrow, what would you do? Somebody said, well, I'll go to the beach, get a margarita. It'll be a warm beach, so I'll be out of here. And then what? And then what? Here's my point, and I'm finished. I'm trying to make this point. There's more in each of you. There's more, a whole lot more God has placed in you, regardless of your circumstances. And I'm trying to get you to leave here asking the question, God, what's in me that I don't know? Give God a hand, praise. All right. Let the uh, praise people come. We're getting out of here. Uh, you've got next steps. You know there are a range of next steps that you can take from saying yes to Jesus to joining a small group baptism. As it relates to the response to the message, that's the big challenge I want to leave you with. I want you to make a commitment leaving here, talking to God, talking to people around this question. God, what's more that you've put in me? As they put that up on the screen, that's what I want you to think about writing and responding to. God bless you.